friends, and so they're in Sacramento, and uh, so that's pretty cool. But um, the students, we're glad to have you in here, and there's not a student thing. They came off a great week of camp. We were going to do a recap video for student camp, but decided to push that to next week, and Joe's going to give an update, but God really worked, and I want you to know that your prayers were answered. I think of the 44 kids that we had go, uh, 10 made commitments to Christ or recommitments to Christ, and just a beautiful week. Uh, as Joe will probably tell you, it's one of the he says it's the best week of camp, not only that he's led, but he's ever been to for youth. So if that was just, is that right? So, all right. So if you're a student here this morning, uh, we want to give a good block of time next week to doing camp recap a little bit. I think Joe's going to even ask a couple maybe to share or something like that. But God did a great work. There were a large, good number of us here Tuesday night to hear some of the refreshing words uh, that God did. And uh, just... You know, sometimes we just plow through life and have our prayer petitions, but we don't thank God. Would you join me just thanking God for his work at youth camp? Lord, we thank you this morning for your awesome work up on the mountain in Mount Palomar last week. And Lord, we just thank you for... um, Not only the commitments that were made by young people, Lord, but just the chemistry and the community that was brought together. Lord, I know there's different things being aligned as they look to the fall. Lord, we want to be a movement here of you. And Lord, we know that many times throughout history, revival has come to places, churches, valleys, because of young people. And that's where it starts. And so, Lord, we just thank you for your work and pray your blessing upon our student ministry, middle school and high school alike. Lord, for those who went from our church, those who are from Student Venture and another church, Lord, for all hundred that were there, including young adult leaders, we just pray your blessing upon their life and that which they brought down from the mountain last Sunday. May you keep it fresh and vital in their life as they seek to serve you here in the valley. And, Lord, for us to reach the schools, to reach campuses, to reach into the highways and the byways, different sectors of this valley, we just ask in simple prayer of faith that you would bless us as a church ministry as we do student ministry in this valley. Lord, for Joe and Rebecca and for the other leaders, we just pray your continued anointing upon their life. Continue to keep them full of your heart because it's so relationally driven this ministry is, Lord, and we know that their hearts need to be full. So just refresh Joe and Rebecca as they're up at Mikey's wedding this weekend, and bless Mikey while you're at it. Amen. Shalom. Have you ever heard that word? Shalom. Shalom is the Hebrew word, the Jewish word for peace, but it's really the greeting that you will find if you are in a Jewish culture. So uh, if you go to Israel and have been there a couple times, you walk around and you would say to one another, good morning. No, you wouldn't. You would say, shalom. Hey, have a great 4th of July weekend. Sure, gotcha. No, shalom. Isn't shalom a cool word? Because it's not just the word for peace. It's the word for wholeness, completeness, Health, if you will. So it's not just a greeting. Hey, high five. How's it going? What's going on? It's be blessed. Be blessed with the peace of God. Shalom. I have a 
a plate I remember I got. It was all decorated with, you know, how they do the mosaics and stuff like that, ceramic pieces. And uh, I gave it to my grandma. And it was placed prominently in her home. And every time I go visit my grandma, I was reminded of Shalom. Shalom. And then when she passed away, I got it back. So every time I now see it, I see the shalom of my grandma. But shalom to you. We are in a series on the fruit of the Spirit out of Galatians 5. It lists nine fruits, technically, but they're really not nine fruits, as we've talked about. It's one fruit, and it's the fruit that comes from the Holy Spirit, Christ dwelling in us, if we've chosen to become a Christ follower. And if Christ comes to dwell within us, he brings an abundance of fruits. He actually brings many flavors to the one fruit. And the one fruit is the fruit of love. The fruit of the Spirit is love, colon. Last week we looked at joy. Today we look at peace. The fruit of the Spirit of peace. Anybody in here need any peace today? I'm going to give you a little quiz. I think you can fill in the blanks. You ready? I'm going to see how much you need the peace. These are common phrases. You fill in the blanks. You ready? I am ready to throw in the towel. I am at the end of my rope. I am just a bundle of well, that's good to see that some of you are a bundle of joy and not a bundle of nerves. I'm proud of you. Very good. Very good. My life is falling apart. Yeah, falling apart. I'm at my wits and I feel like resigning from the human race. Now, how do you know those? Because you've been there. And some of you are there this morning. I can tell by your face. You're like, ooh. No, I can't read faces. I don't know what's going on. But I tell you what, it's common to all of us. Stress, pain, the need for perseverance, our hunger for peace. Shalom. I think when we get to heaven, Jesus is going to greet us. And he's going to say, Shalom. And from that moment on, on the other side of this difficult challenged, fallen world passing away, we are going to be in eternity, and eternity will be full of shalom, peace. Those phrases you just filled in the blank on after, I don't know, some of you will take a few years, but uh, let's say definitely after a thousand years. Can you comprehend that? You're going to be alive for a thousand years, not in the situation you're in now. And your pain, your your thousand years, eternity goes on forever and ever and ever. For a thousand years, you will forget how to fill in those blanks. It's hard for us to comprehend that. Because life is full of duress and problems and and schedules and, and issues that cause brokenness and a lack of shalom. We look at our world. Is there shalom in our world? I read a statistic this last week out of the last 3,500 years. There's only been 286 years of peace where there's not a major conflict. So the world at large is not in a state of shalom. Your life most likely is not in a state of shalom. Your family, maybe a work environment, not a lot of shalom. But the Lord Jesus, he promises shalom. He promises peace. 
I want to look at three kinds of peace. There's really three kinds of peace to mention. The first is spiritual peace. Spiritual peace is peace with God. Romans 5.1 says this, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. We have peace with God. We can have peace with God through our own human efforts. No, through the work of Jesus Christ and what he's done. And having the spiritual peace is preeminent to having the other kinds of peace in your life. Do you have spiritual peace? I trust that you do. John fourteen six, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You will not find spiritual peace by going to church. You will not find spiritual peace by doing religious rituals. You will not find peace in any other religion in the world. You will only find peace with God through Jesus Christ. And if you do not have peace with God, I encourage you to look into Jesus. Each of us are on different places in our spiritual journey. Many of us have crossed the line of faith and made a commitment to Christ, and we've been justified by him through faith, and we have peace with God. Now, you may feel a little awkward with where you're at on your relationship with Jesus right now, but peace with God comes when your sins are forgiven. He comes into your life, and he looks at you, and he says, all's good. We've got a relationship. There may be some awkwardness because of some disobedience now, those kinds of things. But God's disposition towards you is one of peace and shalom. We have peace with God through the only way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. So spiritual peace, peace with God. You got it? Second is emotional peace. Once you have peace with God, then you are given the opportunity to have the peace of God. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Now, emotional peace is what we normally think of when it comes to this subject of peace. And uh, this is a peace that comes from God through his spirit, as we're going to look about. And the word rule in your hearts, that Greek word behind rule is the word really for umpire. It's the only place in all of Scripture that that word is used. And peace is to rule in our hearts. What's an umpire do? He brings peace to a ball game, hopefully, right? He oversees it, makes sure it goes well, things are called right, the rules are played by. Let the peace of Christ rule, umpire your heart. What's umpiring your heart as you walk in here this morning? Is it peace or is it stress? Is it shalom or is it worry? Is it Christ or is it a pile of duress and agendas? Peace, shalom, let it rule in your hearts. Because as members of one body, all of us together, we are called to peace. So spiritual peace, emotional peace, and third is relational peace. Peace with other people. Romans 12, 18 says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, this is usually where peace goes amiss. <laughs> hey, if I got peace with God, I'm good. Me and Jesus walking this road, I can sense the peace of him ruling in my life. But then there's people and People cause me problems. 
If it wasn't for people, I would be okay. Have you ever said that? I say that. And I'm a pastor, so, but I like you people. <laughs> what happens with people? Well, if you're an interface with people, you're going to have criticism, right? And you're going to have competition, right? There's all kinds of challenges that come for you and me when we interface with people. And the worst of all, besides the whole subject of competition and criticism, is just the subject of conflict. We are in a people world, and all of us are fallen, sinful people. And as a result, there's going to be conflict. It may grow over time. It may blow up in a moment in time. But you and I are going to be challenged in the area of relational peace because we live in a people world that's in a fallen world. But all of us desire for this. And all these three, spiritual peace, emotional peace, and relational peace, are possible for us. But they're only possible for us because of Jesus. Maybe you're new to church and haven't been around for a while. You say, well, that's always the answer churches get Jesus. Well, I don't know. I've been around the block a little bit. I've gone down a few alleys. I've learned that if I'm really going to have peace, it truly is going to be because of Jesus and come from Jesus Christ. Not the historical Jesus. He lived, he died, he rose from the grave. But the Jesus that is here in our midst this very moment through his spirit. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. You want peace? Open your eyes. Open your heart. Jesus wants you to have shalom. A couple passages that strike my heart concerning this are from Jesus. Jesus said this. He's going to the cross. He's instructing his disciples though they were clueless what was going to happen. He says, all this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, and we've studied about the advocate, right? The comforter, the helper. Who is it? The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus himself. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not be afraid. Here's Jesus. He's sitting with his disciples. The cross is before him. And he sees it on their face. They don't know what the future holds. They have aspirations for the Messiah and for their native homeland of Israel, for God to be glorified in one sense. But they still don't have a read on Jesus. Jesus knows where he's heading, and he gives them a gift. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled or be afraid. I am going to give you peace. Friends, peace foremostly is a gift. And it's a gift of God through his son, Jesus Christ, who indwells within you, if you're a follower of him, of the Holy Spirit. You don't need to go to Costco or Sam's Club to see if you can find peace on the shelf. Peace dwells within you and I because the one who is the author of peace, the one who was called the Prince of Peace, dwells within you and me. So it's not like i got to grab there like we looked at last week with joy, get my circumstances all lined up right. We have to receive the 
gift of peace through the Spirit of God and allow ourselves to abide in that peace. After the resurrection, Jesus shows up, spooks them out. They still didn't know if he was risen or not. Thomas had his doubts. He says, lest I see his hands and his side where the nails and the spear went. I won't believe, right? John 20, verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Shalom. Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, Shalom. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, what I want to point out here is, I'm going to go back to the prior verse. John 14, he's saying, The Holy Spirit... Whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and remind you everything. The Holy Spirit, I think, is directly tied with the gift of peace. So he says, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And we know the Holy Spirit came in power on the day of Pentecost. All right. But the Holy Spirit brought the gift of peace. And then on the other side of the resurrection, and this is before Pentecost, of course, Jesus is with his disciples and they're in awe. They're overjoyed that he's alive. And he... He breathes on them the gift of peace via the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit and peace are tied directly together. And if you want to receive the gift, then enlightenment more about the Holy Spirit as we've been on the journey, the prior series that we were in, what God's been teaching you in your personal life. This is key. You want peace? Understand the Holy Spirit dwells within you, and he's been given to you as part of this gift of peace through Christ. I want to list five keys to peaceful living. These are keys that uh, you can wrestle with, reflect on as we journey through. And we're going to be throwing out some different scripture on this. So hang with me here. The first is this. You and I, we need to follow God's biblical principles. So the spirit is a gift. His peace is a gift within us. But how do we let this perfect peace dwell through us, this peaceful living? Well, up front, you just need to know this. You need to follow God's biblical principles. Because in this word, there is all kind of wisdom for your life. Wisdom as it relates to dating, marriage, raising a family, businesses, interacting with others. Plans and purposes we're to have in life. It's here in God's book. Don't you think the God who created us and created the universe would be wise to know how the peace that he put within us, if we're a Christ follower, is to live through us? We need to follow God's biblical principles. It says this in Psalm 119. I love this passage. Those who love your instructions have great peace. And do not stumble. The psalmist crying out. I long for your rescue, Lord. So I have obeyed your commands. I've obeyed your laws for I love them very much. Yes, I obey your commandments and laws because you know everything I do. I know you love Jesus. 
but do you love the word of Jesus, the word of God? Sure. I've been in church a while. You're supposed to love God's word. Well, then, are you obeying God's word? And this is just a question to you. It's a question to me every week. So do I love God? Do I love his word? Then am I obeying God's word? You cannot expect the Christ that lives within you to live fully alive through you unless you are obeying the commands of Scripture. That's where wisdom is found. And if we don't allow ourselves to stay parked there, then we're going to be disappointed because we're going to go by our own wisdom when we're going to be led astray into different paths. And some of those paths are going to end up, um, well, just sort of wrecking our life. You know, some of you, you get, you get a car, right? You buy a car. And there's a car owner's manual in the glove box. It's a good idea to read it. Now, I'm one of those people, I don't like to read instructions. I'll just admit with you, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to put this toy together by myself. And you get about halfway through it, and you realize you left down a couple parts, and you really messed it up, right? I want to try to figure things out. Well, so many times I find people that are trying figure out how am I going to drive the car? How am I going to work on this thing? I don't do very well with doing some of the maintenance stuff. And Mike Smith will tell you that probably. Talk to him. Oh yeah, you're supposed to change. I remember my father uh, blessed me because I worked on the farm and I was able to get a car growing up. And um, it was a really nice car. I ran it out of oil. I blew up the engine. I still look back on that. Now that I'm a father and my kids have vehicles I trust them with, my dad should have went off on me. He never did. He was very kind. He helped me get another car. Crazy. I had to work a lot harder. No. Why is the instruction manual there in the glove box? So that you run well in your life, just like with a car, and you do maintenance. You need to read the owner's manual, and you need to obey what God says. So that's not really a fun one to start out with. Is, oh, great, i got to obey God. Friends, can I tell you something? If you're wrestling with obeying God right now in his word, let me give you a heads up. God is not out to kill your joy and steer you into a miserable life. He loves you. His commands, his word, are for life, not for death. And you've got to get that through your head. Maybe you're wrestling with becoming a Christ follower here this morning. Can I just challenge you that Jesus maybe not be the stereotype or the caricatures have been thrown out to you by the world. He is one who lovingly endears himself to you, and he has beautiful, incredible plans for your life. And they're written in his word. So follow God's biblical principles. And I attach the word wisdom to that. The second is this. Receive completely God's pardon. This has all to do about grace. Micah 7, 18. Love another Old Old Testament passage here. Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all of our iniquities into the depths of the sea. So the Israelite people, they had trouble following God's commands. And God's wrath is not 
God being a mean bully. Like I said, he loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. But there, there is a thing called justice, that God has to be true to what is just and pure and holy and true in our world. But God, you know, he would get to these places with his people, and his people go, oh, we, we need to repent. And they realize, you know, he doesn't stay angry for long, and his anger is really to turn us towards righteousness, to, to good, wholesome living. Here's Micah. The God who pardons sin and forgives transgressions. And the reason I like it out of, the, out of this translation is it says, and hurl all of our iniquities into the depths of the sea. You ever hurled something into the sea? And you're standing there on the beach and just hurl it. Big old rock or something. Boom. Depths of the sea. What if you were out on a big ship and you hurled something? The depths of the sea, the deepest place, that's where he put it. And some of you do not have peace here this morning for this very reason. You don't understand grace. I got a phone call this week from a friend of mine over in Orange County, and he was just so jacked up. He usually has troubles and problems, and he's got physical issues and things going on. And so I'm like, oh, here's my friend. I'm going to be praying for him again, try to encourage him a little bit. He called me to let me know things were going fabulous. And he wanted me to pray just to thank God for how well they were going. Do you know what he had recently got a hold of? What it means to be completely pardoned and receive fully of God's grace. Jesus forgives us past our sins, past, present, and future, and hurls them into the bottom of the sea. Romans 8, 1 says this, Therefore there is now no condemnation for Sally, for Mary, for Bob, for Joe, for Richard, for Susan. You put your name there. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life, who gives life, has set me free from the law of sin and death. I don't know where you're at on your understanding of grace. But friends, we are not saved by works. We're saved by grace. But we do not live by works either. We live by grace. Every day, when you feel like something's maybe standing between you and God, and you want to shy away, or you want, oh my goodness, who am I? God says, what are you talking about? I hurled that stuff in the bottom of the sea. You name in your mind right now the worst thing you've ever done in life. You got it? Maybe you're still doing it. You got it? All that stuff? Same about God's thrown it away into the bottom of the sea. If you've asked him for him to come into your life and you've asked for his forgiveness, grace, grace. The next is this. Delight in Christ's presence. And I like the word communion. This is Communion Sunday. We're going to spend some time in communion at the end of our talk. Delight in Christ's presence. We want peace. If you're going to have peace, you need to focus on the presence of Christ in your life. Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. Delight in Christ's presence. Now, when you don't have peace, usually what are your thoughts? Where is your mind? What is it transfixed on? It's transfixed on your problems, on your worries, on the reason that you have anxiety. 
If you're going to find that peace of the Spirit living through you, you need to delight yourself in the presence of Christ and begin to get your focus set on him. Corey Ten Boom. Some of you remember who Corey Ten Boom was? She uh, wrote the book The Hiding Place. There was a movie made about it. Corey Ten Boom helped uh, Jewish people in World War II escape the Nazi imprisonments. But she herself ended up being imprisoned in a Nazi training camp. Her sister ended up dying in that camp, but she herself was was uh, saved through the end of the war and that. And so her whole beautiful story is the hiding place. I mean, short, elderly ladies. I remember how when I I actually heard her speak one is that you know I'm thinking wow you know and she this is feeble, uh, young you know lady as she was young and then she got older of course. But I'm like, she's such a godly person, and her perspective. Corey Ten Boom says this concerning her time in the Nazi prison camp. The blacker the night around us grew, the brighter and truer and more beautiful burned the word of God. What? I read that again. Some of you need to get a hold of that because you're in that place in life right now. The blacker the night around us grew, the brighter and truer and more beautiful burned the word of God, God himself. Can you imagine being... In one of those prison camps where millions, I mean, murdered, gas chambers, knowing all was going on around. And you would say in the midst of that yuck of life, that pain, that anxiety, that stress, that overwhelming fear, that darkness, in the midst of that darkness, something grew brighter and brighter. And it was God and his word. Delight yourself. There is no pit so deep that God is not deeper still was another one of her quotes oh are you in a pit guess what you can still delight yourself in christ's presence you see this peace of god isn't about everything going right in your life it's about you understanding his presence and what he brings to you in the midst of this broken fallen world until he would come again john fourteen eighteen. I will not leave you as orphans. I mentioned this. I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you realize that I'm in my Father and you and me and I in you. You want to delight yourself in Christ's presence? Right here. Maybe you just need to slow down. Take some time and, and, and let God minister to your life. You ever been in a place in life, maybe you've said it, just like those other statements where you just I just, I just need to get away, right? Some of you do just need to get away. And maybe you got plans to get away this summer. Good. I mean, all of us need vacation. We need time to get away, take a break, get some peace, right? But you could, you know, book your ticket to sail or fly to Cabo. You could sit there on the beach and guess what? You could still not have peace. You can still not have peace because, as I often say, wherever you go, there you are. Wherever you are, there you are. You can't get away from yourself. And so, you know, you think, you know, you think you're, you know, you get up and you see, oh, it's two twelve. Oh, great. And your mind starts to worry, and you start to think through all your problems about family and work and what's not going your way, and and, and you go, I gotta go to sleep. You fall asleep and you wake back up. It's three eighteen. Oh, great. My goodness. And then you find yourself back to sleep, and, you know, it's 438. And you're thinking to yourself, I might as well just stay up now. You ever had those kind of nights? You know, you can have those kind of nights when you're in a nice beach resort, too. 
Because wherever you go, there you are, and you take your problems with you. The peace that we need has to come from delighting ourselves even in the midst of whatever and understand that we're going to have communion with God. We are not left as orphans. He will come to us. He is with us. Psalm 46, 1. Maybe you're familiar with this. Let's read this one together. You ready? God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way to the mountains, fall into the hearts of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. He says, be still and know that I am God. Now that he says, be still and know that I'm God is in verse 10. But if you read through the rest of that psalm, you're like, oh, this is a heavy, this is a heavy psalm, but it's so descriptive. Can you picture that? That you are in a place where you feel like the earth is going to give way and the mountains are going to fall into the sea and the waters are roaring up around you and foaming. When you have the pictures of the big rocks that are sort of stuck out into the ocean, you know, and you're sitting there on the rock and a big wave, another big wave. And maybe your life's like that and you're just sort of clinging, oh, boom, another big wave. In the midst of all that's hitting you in life and the fear of things giving away, God is your refuge and your strength. But if you're going to know that, you need to do what verse 10 says, which says, shut up. I'm sorry, I didn't really say shut up. But it says, be still. Calm your soul. Gain some perspective. And know that I am God. Isn't it amazing how we'll, you know, gallivant through life from one week to the next week to the next week and as time starts to blow off i'm like oh my gosh it's july this is scary you know and we move from one week to the next week with our problems our woes and our concerns isn't it amazing how we move through life so quickly but how little time we actually spend being still and knowing that he is next is to lean daily into God's plan to lean daily into God's plan with a spirit of thanksgiving Proverbs 3 5 through 7 trust in the Lord with all your heart lean not on your own understanding in all your ways in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight do not be wise in your own eyes fear the Lord And shun evil. I like the word lean. Because as you're being still. I mean you're seeking to be obedient. To God's word. To fully understand and have an appreciate. And receive the full pardon of God. To be able to. To do the be still. And and to know that he is God. And to center yourself on him. That in those moments. Then what you do is you. Sort of let go and you lean and you trust God. It's like if I was to walk up to this wall here and I just sort of leaned on it. I do this to Jesus a lot. Oh my goodness, God. How's this thing ever going to work out? What about that person? How's their life going to be straightened out? What about me and my physical issues? Whatever it may be, you need to lean and see yourself physically leaning into Jesus as surely as. As surely as this little boy's laying down here, that's my son. 
He's tired. He must not slept last night. I caught you, didn't I? See, you don't think I'd talk about that in the middle service. I did. But just as a young person, and Levi, actually, Levi, stand up here. You do this a lot. Stand up here. This will wake you up. There are certain days that Levi, Levi, can you give me a hug? Just lean on me. Just give me a hug. We'll just walk around like this. And what's he doing? He's leaning on his dad. When he got back from camp, did you miss your dad? Yes. <laughs> yep, missed my dad. We went out and did something. He was just hanging all over me. Love you, dad. Miss you, dad. You miss me, dad? Just hanging on me. Did you watch a movie too late last night or something? No. Have a seat. Do you have a love relationship with God, the Father, like you do, your kids do with you? You just lean on Him. And there's some days I walk around draped all over. God, trust in the Lord. There are things, friends, you'll never figure out on this side of heaven. So just stop trying. There's things that have happened to your life. There's plans and changes. You know, and it just... Just trust the Lord. You're going to lean into His plan. God has purposes for things. I look forward to heaven when He opens up the big, I don't know, it'll be video, or I used to think it was books until all the social media and everything. I'm like, I'm just going to walk into a room. Hey, here's the history of your life. And now let me explain to you why we moved you from here to there and there and over here. Or why I gave you this season of life where you thought you were doing nothing for what I was doing in you and some other person. He has it in his hands. He's in control. Trust in the Lord with a little bit of your heart. No, with all of your heart. And lean not on your own understanding and trying to figure it out. Lean into his plan. And you're going to submit yourself to that. And guess what? Those three verses, trust, lean, and submit, guess what he's going to do? He is going to make your paths straight. There's something coming for you, and it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Philippians 4.12. Apostle Paul wrote this while I was in prison, by the way. You think you got worries and lack of peace? He writes this. Philippians, a beautiful book. Very encouraging book. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now, you name your situation. Life never stays the same. It's going to change on you. I'm not getting some of you to freak out about the other shoe falling, but if it's going pretty good right now, you just hang on because it's not going to go good pretty soon. Right? And if it's not going good right now, hang on. There's a life of plenty maybe coming somewhere. It always has its ups and downs, right? But through all, whether in little or in much, what's the key to it? Paul says that in everything, I lean into Christ who gives me the strength. He supports me. He helps me, walks me through. Are you really trusting God? Are you really trusting God? You know, there's um, they have these things called stress buttons or stretch things that address your adrenaline that you can put on you. 
and they change colors, and you start going to have fun games with people trying to get the stress level brought up, and everybody, hey, let me see if I get your stress to worry. This, oh, it's turning. Oh, my goodness. Those kind of things, right? Well, wouldn't it be nice if there was some trigger within us that said, hey, your stress is going up, or this and that, or this is not the right path? Well, guess what? It is. It's there, and it is called stress. It's called stress because you have not found yourself in a place of peace. So if you're anxious, if you're worried, if your mind's spinning, if you're spending a lot of those nights up, not just because you stayed up late and didn't sleep, but because there's so much going on of concern and worry in your mind, is there enough or is there not enough going to be in my... Identify it. Red light, red light. You need the peace of God. You need the peace. Are you leading in him? Are you trusting in him? Are you trying to figure this out on your own? And many times I've had to step back and I say, God, I... I'm sorry, forgive me, because I don't know, you know. And I'm going to lean into your plan. I'm going to lean into your understanding. And I don't know, maybe you're there, maybe you're perfect or not. I, I, I find myself falling often. And the indicators start going off. Oh, peace, be still, know that I'm God. Receive fully of God's grace. Okay. Okay. Perspective. Perspective. I need to work my way in that direction. And then this is the last one I want to put to you. Petition God for the Spirit's peace. You need to ask for peace. The Spirit dwells within you. He has it. Let him live through you. And so this is a key passage in the whole understanding of how to have shalom. Philippians 4 5 says this, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, shalom, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. Let me pull on a few thoughts here. Do not be anxious. It's sort of a strong word. Stop it. You ever said that to your kid? I think God the Father sometimes just looks at us and goes, Stop it. Stop letting those tapes go over and over again in your mind. Those regrets. You know, for somebody to say, you know, you hear about somebody letting go of things. You know, it's like, I had to go apologize to somebody. I've been carrying this for 30 years. Well, they've never really fully understood the pardon of God, past, present, and future sins kind of thing. But to, if God's forgiven it, then let it go. Stop it. Why are you beating yourself up about it? Why are you worrying about the closet, the, the skeletons in the closet people are, are going to supposedly find out? If you open the closet to God, they're gone. He forgave that. Why are you, why are you worrying about that job promotion? Don't you believe that I... I have plans for your life to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. Stop it. Carrie, stop it. Do not be anxious. Don't be anxious about anything. And you can fill in the blank there. Anything. What are you anxious about? But then it says, move away from that. That's a negative kind of command to this positive command. By prayer. By prayer. You and I need to pray. If we are anxious and there's not the peace, we are commanded specifically to pray for him to be there and intervene. 
if you go to a stress management class or if you read some stress management books, one of the things they'll encourage you to do is to find an unconditional listener. And they'll even say this, find an unconditional listener even if it's your pet. Now, there's something right about that. You need somebody to listen to what's going on. But the direction of your communication or to who the communication is is where it's wrong. You can talk to your dog all you want. And I could talk to my dog, and she will listen to me. And looks at me with those puppy eyes as a lab, and she'll go, oh, you're going to tickle my belly? You're going to pet me? Right? And just listen. You can talk to your hamster. I don't get, But that's not going to go anywhere. Who you need to talk to, who the unconditional listener is, is God. So pray. Speak to him. Pour your heart out to him. Complain to him. Puke on him if you need to. Do not hide this stuff. If you try to bottle it in, oh, no one understands me, or people just think I complain all the time. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe some other emotional duress issue. You're just going to stuff it down in. Don't stuff it in. That's not good. Let it out. Let it go. Find the unconditional listener of God himself. He listens. Pray. Pray. And then it says petition. Petition. Petition means to, uh, you know, to ask. I am now going to ask. And, and what this is is that you've got, to, you've got to find yourself in a place with God. Let me just describe this praying thing, what happens to me. I need to go for a walk, I think. I need to let some things go. I need to be still and know that he's God. For me, to get my prayer life focused, I often go out in God's creation. Now, you can focus on God's character. You can do whatever works for you. But to me, I will go for a walk, especially at night, because at night I'm reminded of how small I really am with all the stars, all the galaxies, right? You can't comprehend it. And you start to get your focus set on who God is. You get your focus off your problems on who God is. And while I'm on this walk, I begin to pray to him. I may pour out my heart to him. I may complain to him. But overall, I know I'm going to try to work my way to getting my, my, my mindset framed up for who God really is and what he has done in my life and what my destiny ultimately is secured in him. And it gets me moving away from some of the things that are not peaceful to getting that which is peaceful. And I say, God, okay. And then I begin to ask. And I petition him specific requests. And this isn't a whining kind of state. You can sort of whine some. Like I said, it's okay to get out. But you begin to ask God saying, I can't do this. This is me. I am limited. I can't change that situation. I can't make that girl or that boy like me. I can't resolve the issues that are going on with my spouse. I cannot change the the complex situation at work. I am me, but I'm going to now ask you to work in this. And I'm going to ask you, I'm going to petition for the Spirit's power to work in the situation. And when I do that, the next word there is the word thanksgiving. I'm going to pepper and salt my request with thanksgiving. Thank you for working in advance. Thank you for bringing me this person in my life. I love my kids, even though they're not doing the best right now. Right? Ask God, but ask with a spirit of thanksgiving. 
and even how he's going to work in advance for you. You don't have it all figured out, but he does, and you can go to him with that. And then the last word there is with request. Just present your request to the Lord. And guess what? Here's, here's what you get. <laughs> it's a pretty good deal. And shalom, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. I love that phrase. Just transcends. Just forget about it. You can't think about it. You can't get a hold of it. You're so finite. He's transcended. He's incredible. He's beyond you. It's going to transcend your ability to even comprehend in this life. The peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Friends, if you're struggling with this issue of peace and not having shalom in your life right now, you need to memorize Philippians 4, 5 through 7, and you need to practice it on a daily basis this week. Do not be anxious about anything. In every situation, though, prayers, petitions, with thanksgiving, make your request known, and God will give you that gift. He breathed on them this Holy Spirit. Peace I leave with you. Do you think about this? If Jesus showed up in your life, in your house right now, you're going to go home. You're probably going to take some of your worries with you. You know, you're still maybe going to get up at night. If Jesus showed up in your bedroom with you all fretting, you know what he would say to you? Shalom. Peace I give to you. Peace I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Peace. It's going to come from So those are your five keys. Follow God's biblical principles. Receive completely God's pardon. Delight in Christ's presence. Lean daily into God's plan. And petition God for the Spirit's peace. These two verses I leave you with. Very simple. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 7 and John 14, 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. We're going to close here this morning by allowing you to spend some time with Jesus at a communion table.